0: welcome to our friday bible study we're going to talk about the question is the lutheran church going woke Uh, pastor Adels with me i'm pastor walther from good shepherd here at collinsville welcome and i'm not able to live stream this one again but we will encourage you to send in your comments and we'll respond to those as well let me begin with a prayer lord bless our our time together with you and your word always be our guide and lead us through all of the distresses of this life and of this world to walk in your ways and to do the things that are pleasing to you in jesus name amen so the reason for this bible study is because a little brouhaha that's uh, been started up at one of our universities in uh wisconsin concordia university wisconsin at mequon there's a philosophy professor there by the name of Greg Scholz, Schultz, and he uh, wrote an article about uh, it's titled, Woke Dysphoria at Concordia. And just a brief summary of it, basically he's responding. They're in a presidential search, and their search committee has published a presidential prospectus, of what they expect in a president. And uh, they use some terms in that which are a little uh, concerning. Uh, for example, uh, they, they want their president to be uh, you know, really big on equity and inclusion. And uh, another quote from the prospectus, diversity in all its myriad forms. So what does that mean? That's what's kind of created this uh, this problem. He then did an interview on uh, the radio program, issues, etc., and he began to describe some of the things there. You you listen to the interview, and so let me start out with this this thought. I mean, uh, how bad is this uh, at uh, at our institutions, our colleges, uh, and our churches, and so on? What do you think, Pastor Adel?
1: Uh, well, we, we were talking about this before earlier. Uh, it, it would shock me if some of the stuff hadn't affected the Concordias at all. We know that we've been dealing at least for decades now around how the different Concordias teach science and do they teach evolution or do they teach creation so there there have been arguments about that kind of thing going back for a while but especially the last two years with with BLM and uh, the LGB movement. We have had at other Concordias mm-hmm. problems in regard to those areas. So th- that it comes up is not surprising yeah. at all. Kind of when he's talking about it being taught, or he's he's hearing from students what they get taught. Yeah, he's and, and that he, not being reacted to.
0: He talked about some <clears throat> students from the bl- the Black Student Union who seemed kind of be sympathetic to. Uh, uh, you know, c- critical race theory mm-hmm. ideas. Um, he said that, you know, this is probably coming from their teachers. That's where I would say, mm, maybe, but also, I mean, they watch the news. They're yeah. reading the stuff on the internet. So could be just as much coming from that as uh, anything else. He did point to somebody who said they shouldn't say the Lord's Prayer.
1: Because it is. Because <clears throat> it's patriarchal Patriarchal. (laughs) and this is
0: against uh, by definition you know this is the The the, our father yeah the the pray the Lord's Prayer means that you're uh, on the wrong side of uh, reality I guess and so that that's why we need to talk about this and uh, my uh, I'm going to start out with with this point by the way I've got a bunch of notes and I will have all of these notes on a web page which I'll be putting up and uh, I'll have that web page so you can look at it, you can follow along with uh, some of the notes that I have. I've got some links and things to the Perspectives, to Dr. Schultz's article, and there's a little form too that you can send um, a note to, uh, to Concordia University. I did send a note, and, uh, and I, I said uh, it would be really helpful uh, to explain what a, and this was in the Perspectives, what a Lutheran approach to diversity is. Uh, Because many who use these terms, uh, like equity and inclusion and diversity and all its myriad forms, definitely do not have
1: uh, any mindset of anything that we would call a Lutheran view of diversity. Well yeah, and and sinfulness is not one barrier where they would say, no, that's out of bounds. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we're going to talk about that. I think that's really kind
0: of the ultimate question. And this is something where I really want to make an appeal to all pastors, all presidents of universities, colleges, institutions, principals of all all schools. Uh, we, we're I'm going to tell you in a little bit, we're dealing with this really right now in our school, our Lutheran school. And what I think we need to do first and foremost is take a stand. I've heard this phrase used by some people that, well, we keep these kind of cultural issues under the radar. You know, we don't talk about abortion. We don't talk about homosexual behavior or things like that. Of course, everybody knows, what this could affect donations. Uh, This could affect, well, we had people walk out of our church, leave. Uh, This has been going on for the last 20 years of of my ministry, for sure, Uh, where people are just like, you believe that, you know, at this church? And I, I would, you know, I know, there, I, I know there's a way of thinking that, that people have, well, you've got to bring them in, get them to like you, <laughs> and like your doctrine, and then tell them what you believe about some of these things. I think that's a bait and switch. Yeah. And I don't think that's at all what we should be doing. And so some of these students come to these colleges, and, and they see what's going on at Yale and, and other schools where the students protest, and uh, they, they force schools to change their policies. And, and, and in our case, you know, trying to change our, our confession of our faith. So I think our presidents uh, and principals and pastors, they really, really need to be more upfront. Otherwise, there will be a, this will creep in.
1: Yeah. I think, too, though, that the, the Concordia system was... Based around training, uh, they invite students from other faith backgrounds, whatever. But it was to create a space for Lutheran higher education. Yeah, kind of and a so twofold I, mission. I think. I mean, I chose a Concordia specifically because you don't want woke stuff. Because I didn't want to go to a state school where all of that was fine. No, I want to go to Concordia where that kind mm-hmm. of stuff is off limits, and they're going to teach me in accord with. What I was raised believing. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of parents and probably donors yeah. want of the Concordies as well.
0: Exactly. Well, I uh, I tried. I taught a class on critical race theory. I still taught a class on LGBTQism, and that's another thing. Pastors out there in the Missouri Synod, have you taught a class about these topics? Is there anything? Do the people have any clue what we teach? other than do you just teach them in the, uh, the new member class, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery, and, and don't even explain what that is. Uh, you're, you're doing them a terrible disservice because they, they, have, you know, they don't know then what we really teach. But I, I have put together what I'll, I'll call three, three points that I think would be at least starting, a starting place to talk about what we might mean by Lutheran diversity. So, in the Christian church, we've always believed we're big on diversity. And let, me, let me give you a few Bible verses. Uh, For God so loved the world, right? John three sixteen. the doctrine of universal grace, universal salvation. God doesn't pick and choose. He chose the Hebrew people to bring salvation in just as He chose His own Son to be the Messiah, but... It, it's clear in the Bible. The point of doing that was to gather all, nations.
1: Yeah. all seed, nations. All nations of the earth will be blessed. I mean, this is what he tells Abraham from the beginning. From
0: the very beginning, that's the promise. Genesis chapter twelve, all nations, right? Um, and so, Paul is basically arguing this in the New Testament, Galatians three or yeah, three twenty eight. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. So. We believe in a total diversity of age, uh, gender, social status, economic status, language, nation, etc. That's nothing new. I mean, the fact that we even have to use that word diversity uh, implies that we've forgotten something. Uh, we haven't. We do. We do have that. Second th- point I would make as we approach maybe a uh, a Lutheran view of diversity would be it's not a diversity of doctrine so jesus says again tying these two together make disciples of all nations <laughs> then he says, turns around teaching them all things i have commanded you to observe so there's two all's there all nations but all the doctrine mm-hmm. all the teaching of jesus uh, this is uh, jesus says if you love me keep my commandments uh romans again tying together the nations and the doctrine through him, Paul said, we receive grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith, what, among all nations for his name. So, not a diversity of doctrine. No, and
1: I, I think this actually was the key point of Dr. Schulz's comment is, mm-hmm. hold, hold on a second, like you, you didn't get that kind of language from... The scriptures or the confessions.
0: When you start using the throwing these words diversity around
1: And and when the, when they suspended him, they didn't come back at him with I mean he asked theological questions and stuff like that. They didn't come back with any of those kind of answers at all. It was
0: right. They got some explaining. They do <laughs> have some explaining about it? that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you know, they say in their prospectus that they want the the president to be committed to the confession of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. Well, great. Well, you're gonna, like I said, you're gonna have to explain what that means because I don't
1: know that your students are getting that. Yeah, because, I mean, as, as Schultz ridley pointed out and as, as we always say, the the pure doctrine, teaching God's Word is what everyone needs, Yeah. more than anything else,
0: mm-hmm.
1: m- more than understanding what all of the modern fads are, Those are handy if you maybe know what's going on, just so it doesn't catch you off guard. But all the students need to hear God's Word forthrightly explained and preached and taught. And he says that is what is best for them as students, that's always what's best for us as people. When I
0: went to Greenville
1: College, I didn't go to a Concordia for undergraduate,
0: I actually went to four different colleges and somehow made it out in four years. That, That was a miracle in and of itself. But uh, I did finish up at Greenville College, which was, at that time was affiliated with the Free Methodist Church. But they, they were interesting. They had a wide variety of Christians in that, in that uh, school. But they were very adamant. I mean, there were certain theology classes that every student had to take. And as a Lutheran, I took them, enjoyed them. And I was allowed to express my Lutheran views and courage to, to do that. They had required chapel. You had to go to chapel three days a week. Lutherans don't even do that. Uh, probably should. I think they probably should. <laughs> anyway, here's a... Uh, so so it's not a diversity to doctrine. And and third thing, and then of course this could really be expanded where we would have to say we reject certain things that are part of what you might call woke diversity. One would be any form of guilt by association, which is something it's, it's I mean, see, uh, critical race theory is racist in that they categorize people. Uh, white people uh, and anybody who benefited from capitalism, which would include Asians, uh, uh, African Americans who have been successful, uh, Indians. Uh, I, I think a, we are starting kind of a new international student ministry here at Good Shepherd, and we have a lot of a lot of students from Nigeria. Now, these these students are in a bad place. They don't fit in with totally with the white world or with the african-american world Mm -hmm. because many of them are successful they have different worldview and yet they would be labeled oppressors Mm -hmm. uh, by critical race theory and so what do we say about that well hey uh, ezekiel 18 the soul that sins shall die the son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father nor the father for the iniquity of the son Uh, this is an old biblical logical principle that that you don't punish people just because they happen to be a part of a group, and some people in that group have done some bad things, um, otherwise you know we'd all be condemned. Another thing we'd have to reject about uh, woke diversity is the acceptance of what I like to now term LGBTQism. Uh, you know this is just a new argument, a new way of saying this is. Sexuality, this is the way, this is good sexuality in direct contrast to the Bible. Let me give you a passage, 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says, God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness, uh, you should abstain from sexual immorality. So basically, in the Bible, sexual immorality is sexual relations outside of marriage. Mm -hmm. So premarital sex.
1: Just to be clear, that would be a marriage of a man and a woman. Yes, and that that is, again, that's a teaching of the Bible,
0: right? Uh, Homosexual behavior, anytime we just take sex and it's away from marriage, that's that's contrary to the Bible. Also, uh, we can argue pretty successfully, too. I mean, it's contrary to natural law and nature uh, itself, Uh, and so that's serious. But this is really the most serious part about this verse, This uh, section in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-8 is a plea of Paul. We're in Thessalonica. They can see Mount Olympus from Thessalonica. And Mount Olympus is where the Greek gods hung out. And they are all, I mean, sexual misconduct is, what we would call misconduct, is normal for them. And this is why Paul appeals. And he says... He says, therefore, who rejects this does not reject man, but God. So if you're, and we've talked about this before, um, I like one simple way I've found effective in explaining these things to people is is to say, you know, people say, well, you're a Christian. Well, that means lots of different things to different people nowadays. But I like to say, hey, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed. That, that's a part of the Lutheran confessions. Mm-hmm. It's the very beginning. In fact, the, the Lutheran confessions begin with... The three creeds. The three creeds. So this is a good way to define ourselves as who we are. And these are, the, the Ten Commandments are fundamental doctrines. The Trinity is a fundamental doctrine. If you reject any of that, you're not a Christian. Leave it at that. That's serious. Paul says, if you reject this... You're not rejecting a person like an opinion; mm-hmm. you're rejecting God. So that's pretty serious. We reject that nonsense. It's wrong, sinfulness. Uh, thirdly, I could say you know, we would we, we would reject the Marxist goals of you know destroying p- property uh, ownership. Um, they clearly Marx wanted to destroy the family and the church because
1: these were the teachers
0: of ownership, mm-hmm. and so.
1: Um, I mean that that exactly is why the university system, as a whole, has been conquered by liberals. Is because they know that's where teaching gets done. Yes. And for there to be options like a Concordia that doesn't buy into this, that's. Yeah. offensive to them.
0: Yeah, we could bring another like another point would be this sort of uh, destruction of the First Amendment, mm-hmm. freedom of speech, which mm-hmm. is going on all over the place. Uh, I just saw a YouTube video about a presentation at Yale, a university of all places, and they were, uh, it was a debate about uh, free speech, and a bunch of students shut it down. They, they don't <laughs> want there to even be a debate about Freedom of uh-huh. speech, uh, and uh, so these are these these are some of the tenets of Marxism, totalitarianism, and uh, and this is this is a problem. I mean, the, we have in the Ten Commandments, "You shall not steal." What is that telling you? You can own property. If you can steal something from somebody, then that somebody is able to say, "I own this." Mm-hmm. We know as Christians we don't really own or possess anything eternally, but we are managers and stewards of these things. So. And you mentioned too the, the ninth and tenth commandments against coveting. Well, ninth especially, coveting your neighbor's house. Um, you know, God gives different things to different people, and, and, and it's wrong for us to say everybody has to be the
1: same. That, I mean, that envy and wanting other people's stuff is clearly one of the driving things about yep. equity. Equity, right.
0: <laughs> Paul also says, let the thief steal no longer, but rather let him labor. Doing honest work with his own hands. Now, does he get to keep his labor, his efforts? Yes, Paul says, so that he may have something to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marxism destroys the whole concept of generosity. And that's an important biblical principle. So, these would, these would be starting points for, uh, if you were trying to define, what, what does Lutheran diversity look like? You know, just to summarize quickly, it's a diversity of all those things, ethnicities and so on, stuff like that, economic, social status, um, all of that. It's not a diversity of doctrine. It's not an acceptance of uh, alternate sexual lifestyles or uh, Marxist goals of, uh, you know, uh, equal ownership uh, and things like that. Um, another thing, though, I want to talk about, and, and this is something that we—this is a dilemma, this is a tension that we will all have to live with as Christians, no matter what, and especially as churches and schools. And this is um, the 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 way in which a school or a church does allow the freedom of speech, and yet put some limits on it. Mm-hmm. And let me give you what I explain what I mean by that. So. Pastor Adel and I have talked about this before. Uh, a few years ago, a member of our church brought me this newspaper clipping. <laughs> it was from a g- paper in Georgia. And uh, he, it, the, the story was about a Christian school that would not allow a boy to be enrolled because his mother was an exotic dancer. So what would you do? You know, Do you let that boy enroll in your school? And he asked me, what would Good Shepherd do? And this is the dilemma, this is the tension. There's a tension between confession and doctrine and faith and freedom of speech uh, in an in a, in a institution, in a family, in a church, right? So uh, here's the way I explained it to him. I said, I think we would actually let that jo- child enroll in our school, but we would talk to them, we talk to the mother, and we would say, this is what we believe. Are you okay with your son mm-hmm. learning these things that's number one. Number two, you can't, you can, if you want to, I guess you can You can say I don't agree with you, um, but you can't turn around and try to sabotage, yeah. you know, what we're trying to teach here. You can't protest this and try to change it. If that's what you want to do, go find another school that's really? more in line with your teachings. Of which there are plenty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it reminds me of a, uh, I mean, we've had, we have Muslims in our school, I think we have, we have had Mormons for sure. We had a big brouhaha about that years ago. We had a Mormons, some Mormon kids, in fifth grade. They wrote a little uh, school newspaper article about world religions, and they included Mormons as a world religion, not a Christian religion. Well, mom and dad came in and what's this? <laughs> and said, "Well, this is what we believe. Yeah. You know, this is what we teach. They deny the Trinity." I just said we're the we're the Church of the Creeds, and uh, so that was that's a problem. Uh, but we've had this from every time ever since I've been here as a teacher, pastor a Good Shepherd, um, it's come up. I mean, I've had Baptist kids that you know really reject what we teach about conversion and about uh, baptism, and and I'll have to tell them sometimes. Okay, on the test, you put down what I told you. And if you want to put out to the side, but I don't believe this, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, that's fine. Um, anyway, schools need to make a clear confession of their faith. The faculty, I think, needs to affirm that and, and, and be bound to that, that they will teach according to that confession. Uh, but I do think then students, now here's the tension, students need, you have to decide how much freedom do they have to disagree mm-hmm. and debate you about these things. And... Um, and, and I'll give you an example. What if I enrolled at a Catholic university as a Lutheran? Could I debate with professors about doctrine in theology classes? My guess is they would probably allow that, just like we do at Concordia <laughs> Seminary. It happens all the time. One of my classes, we were studying the, the Septuagint Greek translation of the hebrew bible i'll never forget i could take you right to the room i could almost probably take you to the desk because it left such an impression on my mind <laughs> but dr brighton asked all of us to say a prayer at the beginning we just kind of you know went down the row each day and it got to this one guy and he prayed to hail mary and i'll never forget dr brighton looked up and he said well you know what we agree with the first part of that prayer just not the second part <laughs> and uh but we allow that you know, we allowed that in our classes. I had nuns in one of my graduate classes. Uh, prof- two of my classes had a professor from Covenants, Dan Doriani from uh, from Covenant Seminary. We appreciated the diversity of open debate about doctrine and things like that. Um, but uh, here's a here's where it starts to change, though. Could I, as a Lutheran student at a Catholic university, condemn? The university, could I be Martin Luther again, make a copy of the 95 Theses and go nail it to their chapel door? No, I, I don't think that's where we're at. Uh, uh, and I couldn't sabotage their mission, you know, I couldn't, like, I'm going to create a protest oh, so you guys can't have mass, or you can't teach this, or you can't teach that. Yeah. Obviously that would be out of bounds. So there are some limits to freedom of speech in private, what we might call private uh, institutions, churches, schools, families.
1: Yeah. And, and like you said, the, the, to go to a school and then say, but I want you to teach different things is kind of a bizarre attitude. Yeah, allowing you to debate me is fine. Yeah, obviously discussions go on in class all the mm. time, but to, uh, like like you said, then, then go back and protest and say, well... Even though you're a Catholic school, I don't like that you teach Catholic things. Yeah. I, I mean, this is this is the kind of thing that, that Schultz is having a problem with. You're defined as an LCMS institution, meaning you're supposed to be teaching this. Yeah. And yet now we're having things creep in that contradict that. hmm And and the two can't hold. You can't say one thing and do another, and mm-hmm. be consistent. And so he. He's calling them out on being consistent. And it's a a good call.
0: It's a good call. I think it's a wake-up call for all of us. Like I said, we're all struggling with this tension of maintaining our confession of faith consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the problems all of these schools are having, we're starting to have too, is you know, sometimes you can't even find enough teachers Mm -hmm. of that confession of faith. That's a big problem. And uh, you know how do we how do we manage that and take care of that, but uh, I, I want to end by saying I, I I the question was are are is Lutheran Church going woke? Well, I would say parts of it definitely are. Uh, we know that's been happening for for yeah. decades. Um, I think I think even parts of the LCM the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod probably definitely probably fall into that category. Especially, but I think my biggest concern is that. There's a lot there are faithful churches that are trying to do this don't ask, don't tell, fly under the radar mm-hmm. approach to these cultural issues, and I want to just say, you got to stop doing that. I think you really need to be and these presidents of these schools they need their this presidential search committee should not have any questions at all about what diversity equity mm-hmm. and in any of these things mean they should that's a biggie they need to have that one ironed out and make sure everybody's on board before they begin throwing around those terms like that that's a big thing I, I, I would really really stress that and I think that's what we need to be focusing on and uh, God help us to uh, be faithful mm-hmm. um, to to his word and uh, and yet and to maintain the mission um, at the same time, you know, I, I don't think we uh, we want to be shutting down debate, uh, and we certainly don't want to tell people you, you can't even come and listen to us until you check off these boxes first. Um, yeah. and you know that's a you know a very clear thing in in, in the Lutheran Church is that you know you're welcome to come to church, you're not always welcome to come to communion. You're, you're not welcome us. to disrupt the service or ru- something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, <clears throat> anyway, I don't think that our Concordia's uh, overall are, are in, any way, in any way lost or anything. However, if they don't get some things uh, taken care of here pretty fast, they could be. Correct. Uh, just like uh, we have churches where, where again, none of these doctrines are really being discussed. They're just sort of kept in the closet, you keep bringing members in who don't know this, they don't understand mm-hmm. this, all of a sudden one day somebody decides we're going to change our view on homosexual behavior, we're going to have a voters meeting about it and wham! Yeah. You know, yeah. you're, you, you, you didn't address it and, and now you're facing the consequences of it. That's yeah. kind of what these universities
1: well, are uh, Well, As you pointed out earlier, Jesus told the apostles to teach. Yes. And if, if you refuse to teach, then many people aren't going to know. <laughs>
0: yeah. How would they know? And also, if you don't, you know, again, this idea of under the radar, uh, I, I really believe that you, if you don't teach it from the pulpit, then people are going to draw a conclusion from that. That's a secondary doctrine. That's yeah. not a really important doctrine. It must doctrine. not
1: matter that much. If
0: the pastor won't even talk about it from the pulpit, how in the world are they going to talk about it at the kitchen table? Mm-hmm. Now, if the pastor does talk about it, boy, that makes it really easy to talk about it. it yeah, because you know what everybody eats dinner on Sunday is roast pastor, <laughs> right? I mean, that's an old tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the pastor is the one who is kind of the one bringing it up. Yeah, and and right. getting the discussion going. Um, I do realize that some of these um, matters are very complicated, and and I understand the concern of pastors well we can't cover that in a sermon but you can offer bible classes Mm -hmm. um uh, when i taught a little homiletics class at the seminary i suggested that you bring these issues up but you could prepare a couple of pages of notes have those available in the narthex for further study for anybody who might be interested or you know knowing you can't cover it all in one sermon but we've got to we've got to start doing this uh, more often, so. All right. Any any last thoughts?
1: I, at all times, there's going to be attacks upon the faith, and that obviously occurs at a personal mm-hmm. level in our own spiritual lives, but it occurs against pastors uh, since they are preachers and teachers, and it, it uh, occurs against congregations and against synods and college certain, presidents. certainly. Uh, certainly colleges too that there, there, there's if you're Jesus not ready and say teach all that i command you and everyone will love you <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> if that if that was the case then we wouldn't be having these problems exactly
0: that's one of the yeah that's true you need to before you assume this office yeah uh, and we it's in our vows mm-hmm. uh, it's even in our confirmation vows correct Every, not <laughs> even whether you're a pastor Every Christian must be ready to suffer for their faith and even die for their faith. I mean, that, not well, just f- vows. That's in the
1: scriptures. Yeah, I- exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, you know, take up your cross, uh, Jesus said, and follow me. What did he mean by that? You know, he obviously meant, you know, follow the same journey that I was on. I got look what happened to me. I got ridiculed, debated, mm-hmm. argued, arrested, yeah. tried. Um, crucified Mm -hmm. and so we have to be we have to know that that is possible and we have to be prepared
1: to do it and we we call those people heroes of the faith the ones who who held to the faith even in the midst of persecution and and mockery isn't
0: that that amazing those are two different things you can have the greatest theologian in the world who can parse out all of the doctrine carefully and teach it in most amazing ways and yet as soon as he gets um, attacked he could just collapse. Mm-hmm. Whereas another guy who doesn't know all the languages and maybe hasn't you know, memorized and understood all the categories of doctrine and so on, but he has what he has mm-hmm. and he holds it faithfully yeah. and he suffers for it. Which person is faithful? Yeah. So. That's a great thing to think about. God, help us to, uh, to persevere. Let's close with a prayer. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the words Even of life. to us, the example that we have in Christ and his apostles, they all preached, they suffered, uh, Help the church as it uh, finds itself in a culture that, culture that is increasingly rejecting you and turning to the darkness, nevertheless, to shine that much brighter and to uh, be the people bringing Christ as, a, as the ambassadors of Christ to this world. Uh, because we know that, that even in the world uh, the way it is today, there are still people to be called and converted in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.